Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Simon Anthony and Torty Talks. I've been putting this off for, well, two weeks, I suppose. It's very difficult to come up with something that I think I would want to listen to, let alone anybody else. Um, A half-hour me talking into a machine is quite probably fairly dull for most people if you just sort of think about it's going to happen. But I hope that once I get my flow running, this will prove to be of interest. Uh, If I don't find it interesting, I shall stop. The thing that strikes me most surprising about modern life circa September 2020 is that it is absolutely nothing like six months ago. Now, apart from the uh, fact the sun's in a different position, everything about the society of people on the planet is as well. Now, that, that statement is something which... would have been a ludicrous science fiction comment back then, in the dim prehistory before Covid. But now it's something we have to live with, something we have to to, um, deal with on a daily basis. It's quite shocking when you actually come to look at it how dramatic the changes have been. From my point of view, it's also shocking to think that I have known that these sorts of dramatic changes were necessary. Not necessarily in this way, but they were unavoidable, and I've been dreading them for 40 years. There is a process that can only result in a major change in everything. And that process was effectively capitalist growth. Now, those two words stuck together like that sound like uh, some mad socialist uh, trying to indoctrinate his listening people. But no, this is somebody uh, who who recognises the fact that we have achieved fantastic things using the the the, the techniques of, of of capitalism and and the go for growth mentality. Um, we meaning uh, predominantly people of Western uh, cultural um, uh, orientation. That's the best word, shall we say? <clears throat> We've had to get to the point we're in, along the path that we've taken, even though some of us were aware of the fact that it was terribly awful in the process, there was no alternative that was possible to follow. This seems to be what humans do as 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 we evolve, as... Um, where am I going with this? What, I'm, what I want to say is 
There is no way we should blame ourselves for the damage that we have done to the planet and to other societies getting to the position we are in now. Because we convinced ourselves that we were the only thing worth talking about. And we can't go back and and convince the, the, the dead Victorians and dead pride of that peoples of, of anything different at all. Uh, for two reasons. One is it's not possible to go back in time. The other being that um, there's simply no way you can change such ingrained certainties in people's minds. Um, in the same way that we cannot convince um, the, um, the the hard done by um, terrorists of today uh, that the West really is a wonderful place and everything we do is perfect and without fault um, when <laughs> they're the ones that suffer and, and we are the ones that benefit. Um, I think this is the natural course of things, which does not make it good, which does not make it right. No. That's just happens to be the way that um, we evolve. And now we've got to this position, this, this wonderful position of being able to look back onto the past with an open mind or a more open mind than it's been possible for us to have. We can see the horrors. We can see the injustice, the, 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 the violence, the vile attitudes that got us where we are today. And we can see other cultures um, going through this process uh, in, in the world, following not so much in our footsteps, but along the same path. We just happened to done it first. As far as we can tell, maybe other societies did it earlier and they all died out and left no trace. But that's uh, uh, an issue which holds water but has no uh, no um hi- hi- historical support um any um psychological um likelihood <sighs> based on my statement that this is the way life progresses complexity results in getting to a place where the human brain well the intellect gets to a position where it can look at itself and say, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So, we knew what we were going to get here. Some of us did. We knew that it was not possible to continue uh, polluting and digging stuff up because in a physically limited world, there isn't a limitless amount of stuff that could be dug up. There is a, 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 a limitless space in which we could chuck the stuff that we've dug up and used and decided is waste and thrown away. I mean, this is just, you know, obviously not possible. Now, there had to be a time when our society hit those buffers didn't so much recognise that we were doing the wrong thing, but found it increasingly difficult to continue with business of the usual variety that had worked so well when there were still limitless resources. 
and space and time and there was nobody to tell us otherwise. But now we've pushed it and we've pushed it to breaking point. Now this evening there's going to be a programme by David Attenborough talking about extinction and what we can do about it. Now I'd be very surprised if he says anything that uh, I was not expecting (laughs) but um, I just hope that he will say things that people will listen to other than the bit that keeps getting broadcast saying, oh, there is still hope we can still do something to put things right. Because that isn't the message. The message is we must. The message is that we should, that we have no option but to. It's always possible for us to save something. And it'll always be possible to save something. And if we'd actually managed to have a television programme like we're going to have tonight 40 years ago that would be recognised as being a clarion call to a change, then, well, in 40 years ago, such programmes were attempted, but... uh, didn't stimulate everybody to do anything because companies, oil companies, could see that they could still make huge amounts of money. What's the difference today? The difference today is they can see they cannot any longer make huge amounts of money. And they are the ones who are changing industry itself. Now, Big industries, like ones that have just been invented, I'm thinking specifically of, uh, of Elon Musk and, uh, and oh gosh, um, <laughs> the, the, the Amazon fella, um, who are now trillionaires and doing a very great deal to use their technology in ways which can support a future a capitalist system, but a changed one. It would be nice to say that we're going to be all green and pleasant um, and um, all, all land would have everybody living on it, but, um, but th- that's not going to happen. We're still going to be humans, still striving to be greedy. But uh, the only way forward is by changing the direction that we're moving in. We can't, we can steer it slightly. We can't reverse it. That's just not going to happen. We've tried doing that. But the nudges that have been attempted over the decades that I've been aware of them are now having uh, an impact. But only... Because we have run out of resources, we have run out of space, and big businesses are not able any longer to make as much money as they would like by continuing along the old paths. I heard recently that Rio Tinto blew up an Aboriginal habitation that showed human civilization 46,000 years ago. 
And they blew it up in order to mine ore, um, iron ore. They've apologised and the bosses has resigned. I mean, not good enough. 46,000 years of human habitation destroyed for a briefest of burning the candle at both ends stupidity is one of the most disgusting things I've, I've heard. Um, because of the, the, the magnitude of that crime. No human died in the process of that. No, no. But, uh, as, as we all know, uh, there are more humans alive today than there have ever been. <laughs> we're, we're heading towards probably eight billion now. The last count was seven that I was aware of. When I was born, it was three or perhaps two billion. Well, that was 60 years ago. That's one heck of an increase in number of people. Huge number. And we can't all live the lifestyle of the, 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 the rich and hopefully famous, as in Westerners. And, <laughs> and we can't continue to do it either, let alone the, the other six and a half billion <laughs> on the planet. That, that's not going to happen. Using the techniques, the methods that we have used to get to the position we're in. Now, we will not reduce our population dramatically. Even by dying of COVID, that's not going to happen. There'll be more deaths, certainly, but it will not reduce the population because we're very good at increasing the population. Um, what it will do, though, I trust, is show us that we are up against those limits. COVID, it, by current estimates, um, uh, information, um, was triggered by um, the, the, the fact that uh, change in land use in the Wuhan province of China um, forced on by an influx of, uh, of I, I believe, um, uh, uh, American uh, soldiers moving into uh, somewhere around there on uh, completely usual manoeuvres, uh, used up the local uh, food that everybody else would eat, forcing the local residents to go into the remains of their tropical forests and um, eat food they would normally leave completely untouched. And in the process, um, forced um, animals to interact and uh, lie dead in the same wet markets um, that had never happened before. And thus we um, exposed ourselves to COVID-19. Um, this was possible. This could have happened at any time in the past. But um, we managed to get away with it because there was enough space to sort of shuffle things around. But when you run out of space, these disasters will happen because that's the only space that's left. You tread in that bit, that last bit, and you're going to catch it. And we caught it. 
Now, there are other diseases out there that could happen, could spread from animals. Now, we could kill off all the other animals on the planet and therefore stop the danger of this happening ever again. I would suggest this was not a cunning plan. It is one of the possibilities we may do that. Uh, life on Mars would be something like that because unless rats manage to get onto the spaceships, and who's to say they couldn't, um, <laughs> there the, the, the will only be human life plus that which we carry there specifically uh, on, on a planet which probably uh, doesn't have uh, advanced life on it to start with. Now, on this planet, the one that has got masses amounts of life on it already, we have a balanced ecosystem, or at least a potentially balanceable ecosystem. And it will balance no matter what we do. The question is, what balance will it have? Will it have a balance that enables us to live comfortably in the numbers that we are currently at, or indeed slightly higher than? Or will it find a balance where um, we can't? It's up to us to save ourselves, as well as all the other life forms on this planet. Because if we, if we don't save them, the other life forms, we lose the infrastructure, the natural infrastructure, which uh, gives us the atmosphere we breathe and the water that we drink. And there is no way that we can use technology to produce enough atmosphere and enough water. Fortunately, the aforementioned uh, large groups, uh, uh, oil companies and so forth, are now becoming energy companies, ones that are figuring out how to get energy from nature. But not fossil energy, but impact energy, energy that is renewable, as in stuff straight from the sun either by direct radiation or through um, uh, indirect radiation, um, as in wind power or gravitational power instead of tidal forces. We could do that, and there is one other source of power that we could use as well, which is geothermal power, and there is also the possibility of using nuclear power of some variety. And it's quite possible we'll be able to find uh, non-polluting nuclear power. And there are large numbers of different ways of clearing up the mess that we've already made. But we will only do all of these things when money can be made from them or when money can no longer be made from anything else. And that is the point we have arrived at. I did not think it would happen yet. I have said in other rambles like this, that this time would come. And I said, I did not expect it to happen within my lifetime. I did not expect it to happen within about six months of me saying it. But it is happening. It's really happening. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is quite extraordinary. It's, it's, it's exciting. It is terrifying. I have not gone to work for six months now. I've been at work at my computer playing with toys.
toys, which I played with in my boyhood bedroom. Toys that I experimented with on a private, personal batter as entertainment. And it was the entertainment industry, as much as the uh, Apollo 11 moon race, the moon landings, the, the Apollo moon landings, that, that them plus the games industry has resulted in the extraordinary equipment that I'm talking to you on now. Which is, I'm talking into an iPhone 7 Plus as we speak. I've got other kit upstairs, um, more professional, but there's no point in using it particularly because nobody's going to be listening to it on super advanced hyper-spiffing sound systems because everybody listens on grotty little headphones. But <laughs> what's the point I'm making? The exponential change in technology is happening at the same rate as the exponential loss of natural diversity. Which one is going to happen or reach breaking point first? Now, we could get to the singularity. There's a bloke called Ray Kurzweil who's been talking about the singularity for about 40 years. Uh, I only found out about him uh, 10 years ago or something. Um, and his, his idea of the singularity is when technology gets to the point where there is no way that humans can tell what on earth it's going to result in. Now, I'm pretty sure we're at that stage already. But another aspect of the singularity is we have computers which have the facility to learn for themselves these machines we have. They are in the process of being used to create computers that can teach computers how to build computers which will learn themselves. This is called general uh, artificial intelligence, where instead of it being specific to a particular task, an expert system, the computer AI general intelli uh, artificial intelligence will be able to learn how to learn and use that ability to learn anything and everything and learn how to improve its ability to learn in an exponentially increasing rate. Now, this is happening. Uh, there is software in the phone I'm using which is capable of recognising the shape of the human voice, the pattern of the human voice, such that if any other noise was to be picked up by the microphones, it would be not recognised as being a human voice and would not be passed on to the recording system. I have checked this, I have done this, I have made a video of myself talking and clapping. The claps do not make a sound. <laughs> I mean, come on, I mean, that's just an insane statement. But this sort of insanity 
is normal now. This is software that I downloaded for free. For your information, it's called CRISP, K-R-I-S-P. And it's one of multiple ways of using computer artificial intelligence to manipulate data in ways that are beyond science fiction guesses of what it is possible to do in the future. Oh, to the side of. <laughs> science fiction has, has shaped the future direction in which technological advances went. The machine I'm holding now is more advanced than Captain Kirk's uh, communicator ever was. It can do more. It is vastly more uh, than his communicator could. I just, just watched uh, an original series, Star Trek, and when somebody called over the general intercom, uh, <laughs> Um, they had to walk to the wall and hit a button before saying something. Now, people can say, Hi, Mum. And it would, the, the artificial intelligence would recognise who you were and from the context of hi mum, know who your mother was and directly send your signal saying hi mum to your personal mother who would pick up the signal directly and be able to talk back again without any button being pressed at all, without anybody else knowing about it. This is technology which has been around for ages. I haven't got it. Uh, my mother wouldn't remember, which is sad. Now, my mother's brain is another subject of extraordinary um, note, inasmuch as it is possible to stick various electrodes, a couple of thousand perhaps, through little holes dug into the skull, um, and micro-inserted by automatic robot into the brain um, with little holes finer than uh, a human hair by a long way, um, so fine, in fact, that they would not cause any bleeding to the brain. Thousands of these little things could be stuck in there, and the signals can be extracted and passed into a computer, and the general intelligence would recognise or correlate the patterns of the firing of the brain neurons, the activation potentials. And in the same way that the software in this phone can recognise the shape of the human voice, work out the shape of human thoughts, of human sense of touch, of human hearing, of human anything, and pass that on to a similar set of electrodes in someone else's brain. This has only been done with pigs so far, but it's proved that it works. Cochlear implants in humans have worked for 20, 30 years now, but they use, well, I don't know, more than 32 uh, pins. These are tens of thousands of pins and, and potentially vastly more than that. And you can wire that into something that would be able to store memories. Yeah, a lot of work is necessary to make this go. But this is just an engineering process.
problem. As in, we are pretty damn sure we can do it. We just need to figure out how. Engineering problems are achievable if you have the time and the resources to do it. And the resources are being given, are being presented, because now people like Musk and Bezos have got enough money, allow the time to be spent and the resources to be spread out such that the job can be done. These things are happening. These aren't potential advances in the future. These are things, one of them I have in my hand, others I've got upstairs, and the kit that I have got is out of date by five years, six years, and every two years, the quality of equipment doubles. <laughs> and the price halves. The speed doubles. The size halves. Now that too cannot continue, at least not using the techniques that it did. So we develop other techniques and we can spring off into other ways of doing things. And this is the sort of ludicrous world in which we live. And I have great hope for the future, but not a lot of faith in the present. And I hope anybody listening to this will be stimulated into thinking that it is worth hanging around, worth working to keep life going. I thank you. That was one in a series of Torty Talks by Simon Anthony, acting at torty.org.uk. Mm-hmm.